1: You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the
0: Wealth Formula Podcast. Man, it is hot here in Santa Barbara. Uh, it is, it feels hot at least. I mean, it's like, it's probably only in the 80s, so I shouldn't be like complaining too much because I know those of you who are in Arizona are in the hundreds. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, we don't we don't get this kind of hot weather, so we're not used to it here, so we start complaining very easily. And uh, anyway, that's that's the deal. So I am here uh, doing this thing here, sweating in my t-shirt, and um, and uh, going to bring you a very interesting podcast today. But before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you, uh, you can download my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, at wealthformula.com. And, uh, and, or you can simply text me at 44222 and type wealth formula, one word, and you can get that, uh, delivered to your, uh, to your cellular phone, I guess, basically to your email. You'll see how it works, but it's, it's, it's a cool way to get it. And the other thing I want to mention, because I haven't mentioned it in a couple of days, and I, I just think there's so many of you that would benefit from being part of this Wealth Formula Network community, which is the private group, the private forum, and you know the private mastermind calls that we have every other week. And then on top of that, the course that creates sort of the basis of, uh, of, of everything, the sort of the curriculum that you have as the baseline to get you caught up that all can be found at wealthformularoadmap.com. And it's, uh, I think it's a really great opportunity for those of you who are, you know, just starting to get interested in this stuff, really try to find a, a community, a tribe with which you can communicate and t- with whom you can, uh, and you know, ask questions and invest. We have these cool biweekly mastermind calls. Anyway, think about it. It's, it's really dirt cheap, um. Go to WealthFormularoadmap.com and check that out. Um, now, the title of this podcast is uh, Why Wax is Hot. And so, um, of course, that is referring to uh, something called Worldwide Asset, Exchange, Worldwide Asset Exchange or Wax Token. Um, so I was being kind of uh, cutesy there. But, you know, it makes me remember this whole whole thing that we're going to talk about today makes me uh, go back to the days of when I was a kid in the back of my parents' car on long driving trips to Wisconsin. You see, we used to go to this place called Wisconsin Dells. And for those of you in the Midwest, you probably know what that is. It's kind of Like Las Vegas for children, you know, lots of water parks, go-karts, stuff like that. We used to eat at this place called Paul Bunyan, which was like this place where, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was a bunch of big Paul Bunyan uh, statue outside and it it looked like it was like an old-fashioned place and, you know, you had tin plates and all that kind of stuff. And we'd stay in these, you know, cheap hotels uh, while we were there. Because my dad was always into the cheap hotel. We never stayed anywhere fancy. And we always stayed somewhere with those outside swimming pools outside. They're probably pretty gross in retrospect. But um, anyway, we used to go there and stay there. And um, you know what? My brother, sister, and me would have a great time. You know, It it was good stuff for kids. The only thing I didn't like personally about going on those trips was the drive. You know, it took three to four hours to get there and from my home i of course i lived in the twin cities in minnesota and you see back then we didn't have ipads of course uh, which we could uh, watch movies on uh, we we didn't even have ipods right we didn't have anything to really entertain ourselves except one another uh, we pretty much had one another and the view of of uh, pretty much nondescript flat farmland that made up most of the view for, view on that car ride Now, you know, these days I look at my kids and their life is so different, right? I mean, we take them out. My wife and I, we take them out to restaurants all the time. We don't leave them behind. Uh, We like having them around. And usually um, these days it's only the three-year-old that really gives us much trouble because, uh, you know, of course she's three and and she's very demanding. Uh, And when she gets a little bit out of control and we try to keep her quiet because we're bothering everyone around us, Uh, All I do is I flip out my iPhone. I find Peppa Pig on YouTube, and that pretty much pacifies her for the rest of the evening. Now, for those of you who are old enough to remember life before the Internet and smartphones, just step back, you know, step back for a moment and compare your childhood reality to those of your children. By the way, you got to wonder how our parents managed us when we were kids like that, right? They didn't have any, you know, phones to just put on a video or something like that. Um, Anyway, your children know no reality. They don't know a reality without the Internet. They may not be able to talk on the phone uh, as well as as we did. I mean, my, my kids, like when they're trying to talk on the phone, my oldest one's nine. I have a nine-year-old, five-year-old, and three-year-old. Of course, none of them really know how to use a phone because we don't give them cell phones. And then there was a demise of landlines, so they don't even know what they're doing. Are they get on the phones and they just kind of look at it and they're like, hi, and that's it. They just kind of sit there. They don't know what to do with the phone. Um, but they do know how to text, you know, because my, like my nine-year-old will text her, her cousin on my sister's phone. They know how to email um, because that's always been part of their reality. So in considering this, in this change, we have to understand that our entire sense of reality is actually a bit different than the younger generations. I remember uh, hearing Randy Zuckerberg talk at an event I was at, Randy Zuckerberg's, Mark Zuckerberg's sister, and she was saying that her son, who was, uh, I think it was like, three or three years old two or three years old at the time thought that his grandfather lived in a computer for the first few years of his life because he primarily saw him on Skype and on uh, you know on, on on the family computer there um, so that's the way you know our realities are shaped is what we see and what 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 our brains kind of create around that um, and of course our lives are becoming increasingly connected with the internet and the line between what is real and what is not real is actually blurred. It's not, it's not really the same anymore. You've probably heard of people, for example, buying things, virtual items, they call them on online things like crypto kitties, for example, being, paying like literally like, you know, six figures in us dollars, uh, for example, to, for, for, for unique online only items. No. If you're like me, you're thinking, why in the world would you buy something like that? Something that just exists on the Internet? It's not real, right? Well, what if you spent several hours per day on the Internet? You know, it's your is your cyber bling, so to speak, any less important than the ones we consider real. You know, it makes me think I I have this picture in my office of this vintage Ferrari, it's like a 1960, I don't know what kind it is. It's like some super cool looking old Ferrari convertible. And I'm sure it's like, you know, a big waste of money for me. But it is like something that, you know, I think someday, you know, I should just try to buy one of those because I think it's so cool. Every time I see one, I get super excited. And it's not like I really see them very often, but, um, but you know, mostly in magazines or whatever. Uh, And one day I would like to have one. I'd like to have one in real life because that picture doesn't really, of course, you know, mean anything. But, you know, the generations that are coming up don't see the difference between owning that, that, you know, real Ferrari that I'm talking about and owning something unique, even if that unique thing only exists in this fourth dimension that we call, you know, uh, the internet or it's this cyber reality. Now, if you spend... Most of your downtime there in that world, that's probably where you want your version of that vintage Ferrari to be, right? I mean, after all, you're spending all your time there. Why would you want your, your bling to be in the real world? So I know I, this sounds like science fiction, and maybe it's, you know, maybe you think this is uh, this is a bit much. I mean, I, I don't know if we're going there. Well, I disagree, because remember, this is a changing world just a few decades back. I mean, listen, remember, remember, we were kids, we were watching the Jetsons. Remember that here's George Jetson, that, 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 uh, that show, futuristic show. Remember, one of the things that they had on there all the time was they had the futuristic video phone call where they were like looking at people in the phone uh, while they were talking to them. Doesn't seem so futuristic anymore, does it? A new generation is on the rise and their perception of reality is different than ours. And if you start to understand this, you'll see very quickly an entire world that's unfolding before your very eyes. And some of this is being aided by the rise of distributed ledger technology. I know you've heard about it a fair number of times in this show, but it's really interesting stuff. Now, one of these projects that I'm really excited about uh is uh from from the standpoint of, of as an investor is a project uh by worldwide asset exchange otherwise known as wax you know when these kinds of seismic changes occur in the technological world there's also money to be made right so you know don't be blind to it i mean look at it as an opportunity now wax is a project that i am convinced will become a major major, uh, player in, in what is now already a $50 billion industry, uh, that we're going to talk about. In other words, I think holders of, of wax token, which is the way you would invest in this project right now, have a very good chance of doing quite well over the next few years if they get in early. Um, and to help you understand why I'm so enthusiastic, uh, about this project, This week on Wealth Formula Podcast, I've invited the president of WAX, Malcolm Cassell, to explain the strange and brave new world which involves the gaming industry. And he will explain all about it. It's going to kind of probably blow your mind if this is new to you. Uh, And I think you'll find it very interesting. So when we come back, uh, Malcolm Cassell of, of WAX Token these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Malcolm Cassell. Malcolm is uh, he's an entrepreneur, uh, and he's the CIO of Opskin's. Uh, which we'll get into, and in the uh, president of Worldwide Asset Exchange, or WAX. Uh, prior to his current position, he served in numerous roles internationally as an entrepreneur. He's held multiple C-level positions in startups and highly successful companies in the technology space. And he's also been an active early-stage investor in companies like Facebook, Zynga, and most recently, uh, Bitcoin-related companies, uh, which will be appropriate to what we're talking about today. Malcolm, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Buck. So, um, so this is a this is going to be sort of you know unusual and different for the audience. So, we certainly have had people in the uh, you know cryptocurrency space. We have had Tika and We've had Mance Harmon from uh, uh, from Hashgraph. Um, and and so what I wanted to do a little bit is sort of back up and talk about Opskins and what that is and how you got involved, and then kind of ease into that and then discussing some of the challenges with that business and go into kind of what you you guys are doing right now. So why don't why don't you get started just telling us a little bit? I mean you're a you know obviously a, a guy who's been in the tech space for a while. Uh, you know, you're an MIT Stanford guy. you got tech written all over you. How'd you get into the
1: ops? What is Opskins and how did you get into it? Sure. So Opskins is the largest marketplace in the world for people who want to buy and sell virtual items from video games. So for those of you who are not video game players, just to give some context, the video game industry is about $130 billion industry. So 13 times bigger than the film industry. Okay. Wow. So it's, it's huge.
0: I didn't realize And about
1: that. 80% of the revenue generated in the video game industry is selling virtual items. So when people acquire those items, they have some value, some residual value. Sometimes that value increases over time, like any collectible would. And they want to buy and sell them. And we are the Amazon of that ecosystem. So when people want to buy and sell those items for cash, they come to us and they use obstacles. So that's what we do. Uh, my background really started in commerce and, uh, you know, online businesses starting back in the first dot com. Uh, I got involved in the video game ecosystem in twenty eleven, uh, and I worked on a project called Xfire, uh, which was a social platform for for hardcore video gamers, similar to the. Audience, we have today. These are the PC gamers. They Mm -hmm. are the ones who spend, you know, a lot on these rigs. They have like really expensive, you know, monitors and chairs and headphones. The kind of like the the kind you have. You know, they're not just your casual mobile gamer. These are the ones who are really, really passionate about it. And so I started working with some of the team members here. Uh, At that time, I also got involved in crypto. So started investing in crypto businesses back. In 2011, 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. and so uh, I started uh, really seeing how this ecosystem was evolving, right. and it was clear, even years ago, that a, a peer-to-peer decentralized platform was going to win over a centralized one. Before we is, get into
0: that, though, Malcolm, we I can wanna, explain that. I want to back up a little bit because one of the things I think keys to understanding why this is such a big deal potentially for investors to look at as a space is understanding this world that I think is foreign to most of us, 40 something professional guys, which is the idea that their virtual items have a real value to them. Give us some examples of that. And because, because I think a lot of people, and of course I, I know a little bit about it, but give us some examples, uh, that show that people really believe that these things that they're buying on the internet have great value and they're they're willing to pay a lot of money for them?
1: Yeah. So, so earlier this year we sold a skin and, and just to clarify a skin is a virtual item that has no function. It just changes the look. So we call them cosmetic. Uh, and so imagine, you know, if you had a, a, a Snapchat filter, Right, and uh, maybe if your listeners are familiar, and use the Snapchat filter, <laughs> yeah. it changes your face. Right, right, uh, and that's called a skin, or changes the environment. Right, put sparkles right. in it or rainbows and so forth. So that's that's called a, a cosmetic item. It doesn't change your voice. Doesn't well, it could, but in most cases, it doesn't change your voice. Doesn't change the content uh, other than the look. And so cosmetic items are what we specialize in, and we sold a cosmetic item for sixty-one thousand dollars recently.
0: So all that does, in effect, is like, so, you know, it might be the way a, you know, a player character looks on the screen. So, yeah, yeah. that's a and different so, reality than most of us live in, right? Yeah, and yeah. That's I why mean, it's you important. You
1: have an avatar right. uh, on a, on, in an environment and you want the avatar to look a certain way. Well, then, of course, you know, you you would buy a, a skin, right? For right. that avatar.
0: right. So, and and the reason I emphasize that so much is to get your arms around this, you have to understand I think that this generation particularly that is growing up in this gaming world, the the, the line between virtual and real is, you know, is not the same line that we think of. Like a, a lot of us 40-something, you know, professionals, etc.
1: Yeah, so let me, let me just uh, go, speak to your point. The line between real and virtual and why that's so important today. So think of it this way. Today, the youth are spending the majority of their time looking at a screen. And, and on that screen is their identity. It's their social profile. It's their avatar. It's the character they have in a game. And so for that character to be uh, elevated or diminished it's like the world to them, yep. okay? It's just like, you know, we talk about cyberbullying. And so if somebody posts something negative on your profile, kids will have, you know, really, really a tough time. It turns out if you sit, sit back and you really think about it and you say, well, actually, it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with their identity inside of a virtual environment, which they call a Facebook page, right. okay? So the reality is, is that, that most of us have already made that leap where we, we actually attach our identity to the thing we have online, our Facebook page online. So if somebody says something about it or, or comments on it, we take it personally. Okay? Right. So now if you're spending all of your time looking at a screen, you're spending a lot of your time in a virtual environment, whatever happens or occurs for that identity in that virtual environment feels very personal. Right. So this is the brain chemicals. This is oxytocin. This is, endorphins. Exactly. This is serotonin. Right. So you feel excited when good things happen. You feel really happy when it's welcomed, when your identity is welcomed. You feel um, very maybe demoralized when you lose uh, a competition or people you know, are, are, are uh, saying things, oh, you know, he's not very good if, or he lost and so forth. So people take it very personally. And so these identities are very important to them. And so they will spend whatever resources they have at their disposal – to elevate those identities to feel better. Just like if you live on the Upper East Side in Manhattan and you carry a $40,000 Birkin bag or a $40,000 diamond ring, neither of which have real value at that level, they don't do anything. A bag just, right. you, know, you could use a shopping bag or the ring, you don't even need the ring, it doesn't do anything. Yet you'll spend massive amounts of money for those things because it affects your identity, affects how you feel, affects your relationships, your peer group, et cetera. That's exactly what's happening in a virtual environment. And that transition has already started to occur for the vast majority of us who have even a Facebook profile, let alone play video. So
0: these skins that you're talking about, um, virtual items, or I think you can also put in some of these things. I, people know a little bit about CryptoKitties. They've heard of things like that. They are unique items, right? They're not, they're not, th- there's something about them make you just can't like photocopy them and, you know, and, and, and scan them back in. They're truly unique items and that's what gives them a certain value. And what, what I, how do you make sure those things are unique? How do these people do that?
1: So traditionally the uniqueness of an item uh, comes from, let's say the collective belief by a group. So let's say you and I are collecting baseball cards and you come across a Babe Ruth, that's like vintage or mint condition, right? Yeah. We believe because we've been trading baseball cards, we know about baseball cards for a long time, that item is very rare and hence the value is high. Okay? Right. In the virtual environment, the uniqueness has traditionally been determined by the game company. The game company says, okay, we have this many items and we're issuing only so many of this particular item and we deem that this particular item is highly sought after. It's just because something's rare doesn't mean that it's valuable. It also has to be desirable, right? Right. So right. you need rarity and you need desirability. When those two things come together, that's when you get something collectible and worth a whole lot, right? Right. So so, so this is the same thing as if it was like Star Wars collectibles that we were exactly. you know, holding on to right. from the 80s, right? Yeah. Same thing in terms of rarity and desirability. There may only be like a couple of Chewbacca's, but if nobody wants it, or Jaja Banks, nobody wants it, so right, exactly. nobody cares. Right, exactly. So,
0: so, <clears throat> so now we have this. Now, that, I think that's an important place to, to to continue this conversation where opskins fits in, because now we know that okay, well, listen, virtual items to people in this world are have the same value as you know me buying a you know a, a, a car that I covet, you know, something like that. So, where do you buy them from each other? And that's where Opskins comes in. And effectively, it's a trading platform. And then inherently, well, when let's, there's- let's let's make a distinction: right.
1: trading and, and a marketplace the marketplace are different. Mm-hmm. Right. So, trading is: hey, I'm going to swap. We're going to swap something back and forth, and that could be cashless. Right. I could give gift something to you. So, we offer trading, and and it is a free offering. But then we also have a marketplace where you can sell it for cash. Right. And that's a very different thing. When you can sell it for U.S. dollars or euros, you can cash out. Uh, that's pretty exciting, right? You have something of value and I can exchange it for money that I can right. use for anything else.
0: And you have a global marketplace where yes. you, know, you have somebody in, in Russia who is trying to sell something uh, to somebody in Korea. And, and that's where uh, there's a pain point with the currencies, et cetera. How has that been uh, up to now? Up to the point of of, uh, of cryptocurrency, how has that been addressed? And if you could talk a little bit about the you know potential inefficiencies that have been in that you've that you guys have seen in that uh, area.
1: Sure. So so when two people are trading who don't know each other, which is the case ninety nine percent of the time, there's no trust, right? So you have this Mexican standoff. You have an item I want. I, I'm willing to pay for it. Who does what first? If I give it to you, you could run off with the money. If you give me the item, I could run off with the item, and you don't get paid. So you need an intermediary. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is is that you know items could be stolen. Items could be um, you know fake or something. Uh, I can talk about sort of fake. Fake is um, not a, a huge issue because the game company is determined, you know how those things get um, authenticated. Uh, and we've moved that to the blockchain, but we act as the authenticator in the middle, just to make sure we double check right. everything. So if you get an offer, you know it's a real offer. Um, and then the third thing is, is that you know that currency that's used is really important. So let's say we're trading an item that's fifty cents. You know, good luck taking an item that's fifty cents yeah. and transferring it from Korea to Russia. I mean, by the time you do all the currency conversion and back and forth, let's say it's priced in dollars, that means you got to convert from. Korean dollars, Korean won to US dollars, back to ruble. There's going to be nothing left. So that means that there's no way to transfer something worth 50 cents between these two borders. So that's why you need an intermediary. And that's where crypto plays a role. It means that I can come into the platform, I can trade back and forth instantaneously, I can trade back and forth without those currency conversion costs. And of course, becomes possible to do items that are $0.02 cents or $2,000.
0: Right. So so before before crypto, there is just sort of this uh, inefficient broker broker system, right? Um, can you talk about kind of how that was done? Because um, it yeah, sounds well, like some of that's that- how Opskins, yeah. Yeah, That's
1: how Opskins became so successful. We were the first ones to kind of solve that problem. We were using US dollars as a standard, yeah. but we allowed people to upload money from their local currency, and then we allowed them to cash out in their local currency but they would do that after they had conducted many many transactions so the fee would say be amortized across a lot of transactions and it was reasonable right if you're trying right. to do it item by item it's not even possible right um, but what we had done is we have built a centralized system so that means everyone had to come to Opskins to make it work now inherently that limits the growth of the business because you know, people are, they hang out watching a particular streamer or they're hanging out watching a particular blog to force them to come to our site to either list their inventory for sale or to buy inventory is just not the way people are used to doing things. People like to be able to buy right where they're consuming things, right. in the way that they're doing it. So if you think about on Facebook, what happens? You can now, you know, do so many things within Facebook that you couldn't do before. You can message right from within Facebook, right? right right and before you'd go to a different program to do that right yep. but now people expect it to be embedded into it so what wax is simply the ability to do commerce wherever con- gamers are consuming their gaming content
0: right so let's and, just back up real quick so wax is world it's worldwide asset exchange yes. and it's it's a it's a cryptocurrency right And, and, uh, yeah, it's it's more than that. I mean, right. Why don't you back up? Right. Why don't you talk uh, sort of back up on that? Because I know there's, there's actually multiple implementations of this, but so you guys decided instead of saying, well, Hey, you know, why don't we just have a marketplace with, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever, uh, you know, uh, and just use cryptocurrencies to actually create another token. Um, and and tell, me, tell me why you decided to do that. And I think it, you were alluding it to a little bit, people having their own stores and that sort of thing. But talk about the evolution of, of you know, where WAX token comes in and um, you know, in, in, in the context of other cryptocurrencies and the larger vision of what you are thinking about in terms of this project.
1: Sure. Well, I think first we all have to admit that Bitcoin has failed as a payment method. And so is Ethereum. Uh, we understand they're too expensive, they're slow, uh, and the fees are variable. So, several weeks ago, uh, the fees for transacting in Ethereum went from 50 cents to $50, and nobody noticed. We did. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. if you're running a real business, you'd be screaming if suddenly your toll went from 50 cents to $50 driving to work. Right. Right. People would get out of their cars and riot. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yet nobody did that several weeks ago. Why is that? Because nobody's using Ethereum for anything truly commercial. Nobody cares because these are still experiments in a kitchen somewhere. Sure. Okay. So my point is simply that is running a real business, it was clear to us if we don't have our own blockchain, right, to enable these kinds of transactions that we can control and keep those costs low and make the transactions really fast, there was no hope of creating a truly enterprise based business. And what, we, what we've been doing is essentially building a peer-to-peer trading mechanism. So in other words, rather than having to come to Opskins, Wax allows you, say you and I, to trade between the two of us with just this piece of software running in the middle. So think, when I say decentralized, it really means that people can trade between each other rather than having to go to a centralized authority. And that's the magic of it. Now, it's a token as well, because the token is how you actually um, pay to do the transactions on that chain. Um, And that's, I think people probably understand that if they have any familiarity with with, with blockchain, um, that a token is often used to power the the platform itself. Um, And so our chain is in alpha. We're already running. We've launched a a distributed application called a dApp and a collectible. And that collectible is uh, called Vigo, V-G-O. And that, that DAP has become the most transacted DAP in the world virtually overnight. It's way bigger than all the other so, so tr- collectibles. Back like up and, and tell us about that, that because that,
0: that's probably going to be, I mean, I, I, I think that's an incredibly impressive thing and something that's really important for people to understand. First of all, what it, tell us a little bit more about Vigo what it is and what people are doing and how it, you know, how it's making money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so think about collectibles like we were talking about, like crypto kitties for those who, who are not familiar was, was really just a a think of them like playing cards and each one's unique. Uh, There were thousands and thousands of them and it has a cat on it and a cat with particular characteristics. Maybe it has a mustache, maybe it runs fast, maybe it's tall, maybe it's short, et cetera. Uh, and people started to collect these items. Now, it was mostly speculators. It wasn't a pre-existing ecosystem of people who cared about crypto kitties. Um, when we launched uh, in a partnership with this with this collectible called Vigo, it was targeted specifically to a market of people who really like CSGO. CSGO is a very popular game called Counter-Strike Global Offensive. It's got a global audience. It's been one of our biggest uh, tradable, traded items on Opskins for a long time. And so what they decided to do in in support of what I think is also our vision was this idea of an item-centric world. When we say item-centric, most game publishers think, you know, or app developers think everything revolves around the app. And an item-centric view is everything revolves around the user and the ownership of their item. So if you acquire an item, we believe you should own it. It would be like, let's say you bought a car Right. You bought a BMW and BMW said, sorry, you can't sell that car to anyone else or you can only drive it on Tuesdays. You can't drive it on Wednesdays. I mean, that would be absurd. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's why, you know, the game developers are, are sort of disconnected from the way consumers typically think of things. They've been placing restrictions upon users ability to do things with the virtual items that they pay for or they earn in the games. And so we believe in a world where, that, where there are no restrictions. And that's part of the reason we designed Wax, to enable customers to have the power to trade and do things with them as they wish. And that's why peer-to-peer is so important. When we take ourselves out of the picture as the centralized trader, that means that others can trade and no one can inter- interfere. Uh, let's talk a little bit
0: about um, the the other side of this, which is, uh, you know you I were talking the other day and you mentioned something I thought was interesting and I think maybe um, this audience would resonate with it. We have, we've, we've We've drawn this line between you know this this world that we're used to, which is the real world and then we have this virtual world. but there's also an intersection. And, and, and where, you know, a pizza, an online pizza could represent a real pizza. And so having that ability to exchange those types of things online in a peer-to-peer fashion too, could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's pretty interesting from a, it, it sounds like it's sort of maybe phase two in terms of what you guys are doing, but what, which is a really interesting and exciting kind of way to look at the world as as technology continues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it is really interesting because right now when you buy something, you sort of have to consume it when you buy it. Right. Right. Like if I buy a pizza, I got to get the pizza right now. And what if I could buy a pizza, but consume it later whenever I wanted, or I could give it to you and you could consume it whenever you wanted,
0: Right. Like a gift certificate.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, but it's instantaneously fungible. And, you know, a gift certificate's a pain in the butt, right? Right, right. Right. Or even a gift card. Yeah. But imagine that I could buy a pizza, right? And I could send it to you instantly. Say, hey, Buck, thanks for what you did. Or I really appreciate that. Or we could trade it. I could trade you the pizza for a bouquet of flowers. Yep. Right? Then you can consume that pizza when you want, how you want. Or you could give it to your son, right? And your son can go consume it. Or you could give it to your neighbor, Right. Right. So that would totally change the dynamics of how we think about consumption. In other words, we'd be able to trade the value of something and consume it later. And we would we would actually uncouple the idea of having to consume it now and owning it. Now, this is to some maybe an abstract concept that seems very, very weird. However, think about what human behavior is like. Think about how we love to collect things. Think about how we love to own things. Think about how we love to trade things. Yeah look in your garage. How many things do you have in there? Mm-hmm. Got a lot of stuff probably, right? right? I know I do right. So so if, if I said, you know what I'd like to have 10 pizzas just just here just in case <laughs> you know just in case you never know. or you know I want I want to have like 14 you know uh, battery packs that I can consume later and I can use those anytime I want. They're there. Uh, or I can trade them. This is going to unlock I think a completely new industry. And and our, our goal is to be the masters of trading, you know, virtual items that are actually real. Yeah, and that would be sort of the
0: gifting industry is kind of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um yeah. Let, yeah. let's talk a little bit about cuz I know at least in gifting, I mean there's I think there's Gifto. Uh, there's, who are the competitors? If there are any competitors to wax, so, largely what I've seen is, uh, so far is, is, uh, synergistic relationships with other distributed ledger projects, but I haven't, I don't know that I've seen anybody who really is doing anything kind of like you. Is there,
1: uh, is there competition, direct competition? Well, so there are there are lots of sites creating virtual items, so that's the first thing. So we created Vigo in partnership with a, with a group that, that that came up with it, and we pushed it you know, through the Wax ecosystem to demonstrate the power of the Wax ecosystem. And as I mentioned before, it's become the most successful collectible in the world. It's generating hundreds of millions of dollars annually, and it's basically brand new, and it's resting upon this idea of skins, okay? and it's a fantastic business. But we're not in the item creation business. We're in the marketplace business. And so everyone who's creating an item, we want to be the place where that buying and selling occurs. Okay? Right. Uh, so that's so if we view anyone who's tokenizing other assets as compatible with this ecosystem. Now, all the guys who are creating assets may be competing with each other. But for us, it's not about who wins. We just want to be the place where whoever is winning gets to transact. In terms of other people building marketplaces, we see some people talking about building marketplaces, but we haven't seen any that have you know, already user base, have the scale and have the depth of understanding about how this ecosystem works. Um, but there are some folks who are trying to do it in collectibles, crypto collectibles. Um, but I, I, I think that crypto collectibles are, are, are very much a, a challenged category because most of them rest upon Ethereum. And as we mentioned earlier, Ethereum, is, I think, a failed proposition when it comes to running a commercial business
0: on. Right. There was, uh, this this happened when when CryptoKitties, there was like that big problem with the Ethereum network getting completely clogged up and all Mm -hmm. that. It's just not terribly efficient with that regard. Um, One of the things I think that I'm, I think is really neat about this whole project and why I'm, you know, I'm a big holder of WAX token myself because I really, you know, in many ways, it just, it makes so much sense to me, um, is that, that you are also the biggest, you know, ops, this goes back to Opskins. I mean, you are already sort of the market maker already. And what you're doing is you're creating, uh, you're creating a currency um, and making it just easier to transact. The customers are already there. So it's not a Mm -hmm. theoretical project. I mean, do you feel like to me, that seems like one of the biggest advantages that you have.
1: Yeah, I think having millions and millions of customers is a huge advantage. I, I, will, I won't discount that at all. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, but also having a brand, yeah. right? We have like a 98% trust pilot score, so that means it's like a very, very trusted and valued brand. Uh, all those things are great and fantastic. But I think the one thing that is the most important out of all those things, is our understanding of how the customers work. Right. Um, I don't know any other group that could launch a collectible uh, and go to hundreds of millions of dollars overnight. It's just, I've never seen anyone do that. And that's one thing that our group is really good at because we understand how to work with third parties. We have you know, hundreds and hundreds of third parties coordinated in making that effort uh, a success and they're all continuing to grow because we are really a B2B play. We understand how to empower other marketplaces or other sellers or other buyers. So, if you go on YouTube and you'll see thousands and thousands of videos about the things that we do because we work with influencers very effectively. Um, the items are designed in a way that the collectors really understand. There's appraisers involved. There's other games that are using those items in their games now. So when you think about coordinating all of these pieces to make it successful, it's something that's, I think, a rare combination. And it comes more from, you know, one of the folks on our team invented item trade in 1997 and built the first successful company, became a multi-billion dollar company. And so our experience in this goes back to, like, literally the core roots of it. Uh, and, And I think that that's really... One of our strategic advantages um what do you think
0: I- in terms of, of timeline um you know right now i know you mentioned as you mentioned you're you know you're uh, i think you mentioned you're almost there i mean we've almost got there's there's the token right now but that's uh, you're gonna uh, launch the the new blockchain um people who own the current wax token are gonna get an equivalent amount of that and then how do you see this like evolve in your eyes? Like, where? How does this sort of catch? It's already caught on, but really start penetrating through that. You know, however big uh, a market you said that. How big is this market? You said it was like. So, item trading yeah. is a
1: fifty billion dollar yeah. market. This is the secondary market for trading. Right. Fifty so, billion.
0: So fifty billion dollar uh, market trading. The goal here is presumably to make this really decentralized uh, currency, the central, you know, ledger for all of that. What is it? How far along are you in that journey? And, and, you know, how do you see this all rolling out?
1: So I think the way to think about what we're doing is our blockchain is designed to create an open platform. So if you can think back to AOL, remember America online, Mm -hmm. and it was a battle of America online versus the internet. Okay, if you go back even further, it was a battle between proprietary interactive television networks, right, that Microsoft was trying to support and the internet, right. and, and both gave up. Microsoft gave up and said, you know what, forget these two-way cable networks, it's too expensive, it'll take forever to roll out, we're just going to embrace the internet. What did AOL do? They embraced the internet ultimately. So we believe that open wins over closed. The momentum is just over time just too strong and it compounds, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So what we're really building is an open platform for items and virtual items. And if you believe virtual items are huge and getting bigger, you say whoever builds that open platform for virtual items is going to be a huge winner. It's a very, very simple proposition.
0: If you're an investor, and I know you don't want to, you know, you don't want to talk too much about this, but some people are probably thinking, well, how does Wax, what would make Wax go up in price? If you had a token, is that token supposed to say constant? Is it supposed to go up? What, what forces create price changes in that token?
1: So I, I can't talk about our own token. and I can't talk about price of our token, but I can talk about token economics in general. Right. So I think one of the powerful drivers is you want to have increased demand. So you want, you want an ecosystem that's continually driving greater demand for a token. And then you also want a mechanism that, complete, that continually reduces supply. Right? So you want right. increased demand and decreased supply. And you want both of those things happening simultaneously. Now, some token economics I've seen support just one idea right either increased decreased supply or mm-hmm. you know increased demand, I believe the ideal ones do both right, so we've designed our ecosystem to address both of those. We talk about it in the white paper i don't need to get into detail about sure. that, but basically, the more the platform gets used right, basically the less tokens are available, and the more it gets used, those tokens t- get taken out of circulation by the folks benefiting from the ecosystem. Uh, And so for us, we know how to drive demand. We've grown a platform from zero to a multi-billion dollar revenue stream. Uh, And so we know how to build demand. And we've designed the token economics to continually constrain the supply. Uh, And that's basically how we've designed the business.
0: Got it. So um, if people want to learn more about, I don't know, just everything here, I think, is it uh, wax.io? is
1: that the Yeah, episode? yeah. if you go to Wax.io, you can link to our blog there. Um, we have new postings every week about what we're up to, partnerships, and how the business is evolving. We've launched Wax Express Trade, which has been really successful. Uh, we've worked with this collectible I mentioned called Vigo, which has been really successful. We have lots of other things. We even talked about trading uh, in-real-life items, IRL items, like uh, sneakers and, and oh, things wow. like that, which yeah. are coming. Uh, so, in other words, the, the way it would work is, I would buy a token. That token would represent a particular pair of sneakers sitting in a manufacturer. I could then trade that token, sell that token or consume that token. Right? So let's say I traded it with you and you decide to consume that token. You then use it. And that entitles you to a pair of sneakers from that manufacturer. And it gets sent to you directly. So this trading of IRL of in real life items is coming. Uh, And our blockchain, as, as I mentioned, is in the alpha. And so it's running All the transactions for Vigo, as I mentioned, it's now the largest tradable item in the world by by an order of magnitude. So it's really starting to show the pieces, you know, starting to come into focus. You can start to see the success of collectibles. You can see the success of like the chain even in its early phase. Uh, So Q4 is really when you'll start to see all these pieces come together. Wax, Express Trade, the trading platform, you'll see more games that will, will be announced that are on the platform, you'll see more collectibles. All those things will come together. So I think towards the end of the year, we'll really start, the the picture will become clear for a lot of people who, you know, we have fans who've been with us from from day one who are observing and watching carefully, but then there's a lot of newcomers who are taking a look, and I think they'll see the whole picture as we get towards the end of the year.
0: Uh, This has been absolutely fascinating. And what we're going to do, too, is at some point, uh, uh, Malcolm and I and uh, another Uh, a colleague of ours uh, we've been talking about having a little bit more in depth webinar for people who are interested in the project. So we'll, uh, we'll announce when we're going to do that. Uh, But, but in the meantime, Malcolm, thanks. uh, Thanks a ton for being on the show. This has been really great. Yeah. Thanks for having
1: me, Buck. It's been a real pleasure. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. I hope you found that topic as interesting as I did. You know, this project is super cool and I'm investing in it personally. And um, I'm really bullish on it. I just think it's like such a no-brainer with where things are going and what they're doing. But again, that's not investment advice. I'm just sharing with you my enthusiasm for this particular project in the cryptocurrency. Now, even if you're not into cryptocurrency, I'm sure you will agree that it is a fascinating, fascinating world to watch as it unfolds. But on that note, I do want to be cognizant of the fact that I have been doing a fair amount in this world uh, on this podcast, right? I have been covering a lot of crypto topics, crypto people. And frankly, not everyone is into this whole crypto thing. And I don't want this to become a crypto show per se. I don't want to make it like, okay, yeah, there goes Buck and his crypto thing again. So, um, you know, on the other hand, it's something that I'm, really heavily, like, involved in at this point, uh, I mean, personally, I, as I mentioned it before, I think, on this show, that at, these days I watch, you know, cryptocurrency, I keep up with crypto news, distributed ledger stuff, white papers, etc. cetera, uh, as closely as I do the Minnesota Vikings. Now, that is a serious commitment. And because of that, I've decided to create a second podcast, and that one is going to be focused purely on topics related to distributed ledger technology topics, cryptocurrency stuff around that. You know, we'll be interviewing people uh, like we've done on this show already. I mean, people like Mance Harmon with Hashgraph, uh, Malcolm with uh, Wax, and, um, you know, a lot of the issues around that, because I think this is something that's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch it unroll before our eyes and potentially get into some of these things before uh, others and, and, and benefit from that. And this whole podcast will be coming out soon, and I will announce it when it uh, comes closer. I literally decided to do it uh, this morning, so so that's the way I am. I, I've just been thinking about it, thinking about it, boom, this morning, okay, I'm going to do it. That, of course, uh, that whole thing is not going to affect Wealth Formula podcast, you know wealth formula podcast is really what I consider bread and butter. This is where we learn how to uh create real wealth um you know admittedly, the whole crypto thing is highly speculative i I've talked about this before I consider it an asymmetric risk, but those kinds of things are kind of fun too so but but wealth formula podcast is bread and butter. This is what we need to do if you're not interested in in any sort of speculation or asymmetric risk or whatever. Uh, This is the place where we are going to continue really focusing on topics of wealth creation uh, the old fashioned way by, you know, investing in real assets and cash flow and all that fun stuff as well. And we're going to get into, you know, more depth on stuff like that, um, you know, as the year progresses with different types of things and education products as well. So anyway, I think this uh, whole thing, um, this new podcast, it will be fun for those of you who like my style of teaching and interviewing uh, who really want to get deeper into the crypto world? Because right now there's not a lot of really good podcasts in that world. I hate to say it, but most of them are kind of, kind of silly. Um, but this, this I think is. I'm I'm looking at this as seriously as I do Wealth Formula, um, in terms of the tone and tenor of it. And you know, I don't want um, I don't want a bunch of BS on there. So anyway, that's my big announcement. Uh, one favor I have for you is if you have any good ideas for a podcast name let me know um i'm i'm kind of racking my brain right now trying to figure out something that's catchy but you know not too you know not too silly cuz of course i'm going to reach out to a lot of people to talk and i don't want to be like hey i want to you know you want to be on this you know crazy name show whatever and and they won't take me seriously but you know how it goes so That's it for me on Wealth Formula Podcast this week. This is Buck Joffrey signing off.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.